Today's episode of the podcast is with Dr. Patrick McGrath. Patrick is an expert in the treatment of obsessive compulsive disorder, or OCD for short. As someone with OCD myself, I can tell you it's one of the hardest things I've ever gone through, and I was a bit nervous talking about it in such a public form, but I thought maybe it might help some other people if they heard it, or, you know, it's good to talk about mental health issues, and I think men in particular were a bit guilty of not talking about them. So in the podcast we talk about the various forms of OCD, the treatment for OCD, and we talk about Rush, the badass Canadian band Rush, who Patrick is a fan of and had bobbleheads, so (laughs) that was always a good thing. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast, and just a little bit of a trigger warning, it contains topics that might upset people, so just a warning on that. Thank you Patrick, and we'll be doing the music podcast the next time. (laughs) Cheers. Enjoy. Hello, sir. Hello, sorry, I'm drinking water. Sorry about that. <laughs> Damn, Irish people drinking all the time. What the hell? <laughs> Not vodka, just water, just water. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. When, when I go to Ireland, because I still have family there, people say to me, what's your name? I'll say, it's Patrick McGrath. And they're like, wow, that's a, that's a really Irish name. And I'll say, well, yeah, we, we still use them over in the States. You know? <laughs> I was going to say it to you about your name being very Irish. I was like, is he Irish? <laughs> yeah, Pat- my middle name's Byrne. So Patrick Byrne McGrath. Yeah. Well, that's that's my mother's maiden name. That's my mother's maiden name. Yeah, that's so. crazy. We're related. So we might be related, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually what cool is that? This is an ancestry.com podcast. Yes. <laughs> How are it. you, anyways? Uh, doing well, thanks. Doing well. How are you? That's good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Is uh, you getting on well with this coronavirus? Yeah, you know, uh, I got my basement office here and uh, just everything works out fine for for us. Yeah. You know, this job doing teletherapy and being able to manage a network of teletherapists across the country is perfectly fine remote. So there's there's no issue whatsoever. Yeah. Do people find it like the same as going into therapy one-on-one or remotely? It's no different though. And the results show really no difference as well. Uh, they, really? they seem to be equal. Yeah. In fact, wow. it's kind of nice because let's say somebody has an issue with, you know, turning their stove on and off at their house. Yeah. Well, now I can just have them walk over to their stove and show me that they turn it on and turn it off and then walk away. And now we're not going to go back and check it. Right. Oh, Before really I had nice. to talk about that with them in session, they had to go home and do it on their own. I can uh, be with them now while they're actually doing it. So it actually yeah. works out really well. That's cool. I, I read that there's a lot of cases now because of the virus with the people, I'm not saying getting OCD, but, you know, they're forming more OCD-like tendencies. You know, if you think about OCD is diathesis stress. So we have genetic predispositions for things, but we need stressors mm-hmm. for it as well to kick off. Corona could be a stressor for people. And it's right. the thing that finally kicks off that underlying potential for developing obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. Uh, how do you know when, at what age you get it? Because when I was young, I my OCDs prog- progressively got worse as I've gotten mm-hmm. older. It was always like little things like I didn't like my food touching mm-hmm. or I, I, di- I didn't want to look in the mirror because I'd see the devil. And mm-hmm. then about a few months ago, I started getting really bad intrusive thoughts that I never had before. And that's kind of the worst it's ever got. Yeah. But it's kind of, it's, I, I find it kind of hard to kind of distinguish between what's a quirk sometimes and what's an OCD kind of thing. Because, you know, some things in OCD are very quirk-like. 
Sure. Well, and everybody has quirks. So let's let's level that out first and foremost. Everybody mm-hmm. has a quirk or two. So there's nothing big, huge about that. I look at it as uh, is the quirk, which is the thing we do, driven by an obsession, or is it just something that we do? If it's yeah. driven by an obsession, then it's probably a compulsion and it's OCD. If it's just something that we do and there's no obsession involved, then it's probably just a quirk. Yeah. How how did you get into treating OCD? It's a very uh, it's a very specific yeah. <laughs> type of treatment. Uh, really, it was a postdoctoral fellowship that I did after I got my oh. PhD. I went to the St. Louis Behavioral Medicine Institute, and I worked under Alec Pollard, who's okay. a, a big person in the anxiety field. And I was his postdoctoral fellow for two years, and that's how I that's how I got in. Right. It's, it's, a, I mean, I have OCD, but it's quite fascinating the way it works because yeah. the thing I struggle with is when things feel real, you know, that's, I think it's more, I don't know, is it more of a, people say it's a thinking disease, but I think it's more of a feeling kind of disease because if it didn't feel real, it wouldn't be OCD. Right. And that's because OCD activates your emotional center. It activates the fight, flight, or freeze response. And so people will say to me, well, this has got to be real. Why would I feel this way if it wasn't true? Yeah. Right? Yeah. If, it's... And, and think about it. If it didn't feel real, you wouldn't care. You know, yeah. if, if you looked in the mirror and you saw the devil and you're like, ah, who cares? It wouldn't be OCD. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, ah, whatever. And you just, you'd just leave the bathroom. But yeah. if, if you do really care, if that really is a bother for you, then... Yeah. yeah, then have it's you, OCD. Have you seen got some like really bad cases that you were worried with that you thought Jesus, this p- person might do something to themselves oh, because sure. of the OCD? I I opened a residential treatment center for OCD where people oh. came and lived with us for a month or two to get treatment because wow. of how significant the OCD was. Right. And I opened the first treatment center in the world that treated people with OCD and co-occurring substance use. Wow. Well, I think it's great what you're doing because you know. I thought first, uh, for for me, I was like, oh my God, I think I have schizophrenia or something like that. Because sure. it's such a weird kind of, you know, to have stuff that you never had until you're 35. You know, you'd always kind of small little increment things like weird things I thought I'd AIDS before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know how I, th- you know, I, that's probably quite a common one. I Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was more common in the 80s and 90s, uh, uh, you know, and then when we kind of, figured out a way to control quote unquote AIDS in such a way, you know, and and there's retroviruses that's been less of a fear for people now. But I remember people uh, when I was getting into this in the late nineties and early two thousands, when HIV and AIDS was still a bit mysterious for a lot of people, uh, all the checking and compulsions that people were doing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was listening to your live feed you were doing last night and you were saying, yeah, yeah. I watched a few of them, the no CD. And, um, it's really cool. I think it's it's very helpful. I find you know I'm always trying to strike that balance between you know getting helpfulness and not too much reassurance because you know mm-hmm. there's that kind of that kind of balance is always yeah. in my head. And um, you were saying about uh, about you know sometimes I would go I wish I had that kind of OCD, but the right. other person would say the probably same thing about mine, and that's it kind of does show that the content really isn't important, but it's right. to get that into your own mind that that's quite difficult. 
Yeah, every time that I would run a, a group and I'd have a new patient in, you know, someone else would be talking and they'd always lean over to the person next to me and go, I wish I had wish I had that kind of OCD. That'd be easy. You know? And I always pause the group and say, well, that person just said what every one of you said when you joined the group, which was, why can't I have contamination fears? Well, because it doesn't bother you. That's why you don't have contamination fears. You, know, you would never have a kind of OCD that didn't trigger you. Mm. Makes no sense, right? And does it trigger something in you, something that means a lot to you or something that, you know, you might find yeah. that's... How, of course. Why, why is that, though? It's so weird because it's your own brain. I know it's probably trying to protect you in a way, but it's sure. a weird... Well, there's more guilt and there's more shame about those topics than something you don't care about, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's odd. You don't have OCD, do you? I don't, no. actually, And I get that question all the time. Yeah. Uh, I'm very proud of one thing in my career. And that is, I seem to really understand the way OCD works in people. And I can talk to them in the same way that their brain and their OCD talks to them. And they yeah. look at me like, how do you know that that's what's going on in my head? Uh, so I think that's one thing that I've done really well in working with people with OCD is really, really understanding the mechanisms of how they hear OCD in their head. And I can mimic that almost exactly, even within about a minute or two of meeting someone and them telling me they're OCD, I can give them an entire conversation that they've probably had in their head already without <laughs> knowing more than a minute or two of their life. And, wow. and they look at me like, how do, <laughs> how do you know that? <laughs> and the beauty of it is, I say, well, because that's what OCD does. And OCD follows one playbook. And, and guess what? That's cool about that. That makes OCD amazingly predictable. And how can right. something so scary and frightening actually be so predictable? Yeah. Yeah, you've got... I, I initially thought you had OCD because you had such great insight. I was like, well, he's definitely got OCD because he knows exactly... <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Because it, mm -hmm. it's, it's great to have that amount of insight into it because it must help you. your patients enormously. Yeah, I, I think it does. So uh, that's... That's been the cool thing for me. I remember going to St. Louis for my postdoc and within about a week of being there, uh, thinking, well, I've now drank the flavor aid. I am, this is what <laughs> I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And wow. it's now been 21 years of treating this wow. disorder. Do you think it's become a bit more acceptable? We'll say the, the subject matters of what people's OCDs are compared to years ago. You know, it could be quite taboo. Yeah, yeah. As more information goes out about OCD, we're less likely to want to call the hospital or the police yeah. on somebody because they have intrusive thoughts of what if they ran someone over or what if they molested their child or, or those types of things. Now mm. we're starting to recognize the taboo nature of OCD better in public. You know, those of us who treat it have, have seen that for you know decades and we know that that's the case. But OCD was still, and I think a lot of media perpetuated this, OCD was just straightening things or washing your hands. And so yeah. if it wasn't that, then it wasn't OCD because that's what OCD is, is those two things. Yeah. So everyone who didn't have that didn't think they had OCD because they never saw what they had portrayed on television. I mean, you never saw up until maybe the last year or two, you know, did did I stab that person when I was walking down the street? Which, as you said, sounds schizophrenic, right? Yeah. And that's why then people jump to, I must be psychotic if I'm thinking that I'm stabbing people. Yeah. I, I must have a psychosis. Maybe I need major drugs in order to control my brain or something mm -hmm. like that. And, and it turns out for a lot of people, it's actually obsessive compulsive disorder because I always identify OCD starts off with, with the same phrase all the time, which is, what if I 
and then throw in whatever. So what if I did yeah. stab someone? What if I did molest my child? What if, what if I wanted to molest my child? <laughs> what if in the future I will molest my child? But yeah. it's, it's always what if followed yeah. by whatever the worst case scenario is for you. And that's yeah. the way that it works. Do you think what keeps people locked into that cycle is that with say someone who's having impulsive thoughts, uh, yeah, sorry, not impulsive, intrusive thoughts mm-hmm. about their child, they feel like it's real and that's keeping them in that loop of constantly going around going, oh my God, I felt that was real. I'm an awful person. How do I get over that? And then it's quite a vicious circle. And it's also, how do I make that thought go away? Yeah. And guess what happens once we try to make a thought go away? Yeah, it just keeps reinforcing it. Yeah. So if I tell you, don't think of a pink elephant, what are you going to think of? Yeah. Like automatically, you see it in your brain, even when you say it there. You can't help it, right? And then I have, you know, I have my my trusty pink elephant right here. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) You know, and then, um, so now I've told you not to think of it. So what you think of OCD like this, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to give you my little representation of it. So OCD says, hey, Paul. If you want to be okay today, just remember, don't think about blank, which automatically leads you to thinking about blank. Mm -hmm. And now you get more and more riled up. And then OCD is like, oh, crap. Oh, no. Oh, no. All right. Here's what you do. If you want to get back in my good graces, do these 12 rituals and do them just perfectly and do them so everything's right. And eventually you get to the point of doing them and you do them the way OCD wants them. And then you get back up to the top again and OCD says, okay, good job. Now, remember, in order to stay in my good graces, don't think about blank. <laughs> and then it starts all over again, right? Or don't have the image of blank or don't have the urge to do blank, whatever it is. Because yeah. OCD is thoughts, images, and urges. It's those three things. So you may have a thought about something, an image of something, or an urge to do something. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and my job as a therapist is to teach people that just because they have these things doesn't mean that they're true or real. You know, I've, I've taken someone who had urges to push people into trains to a train track, and I've stood a foot from a track and told them to push me into trains for, for hours at a time with my hands behind my back and their hands on my shoulder. Wow. And shown them that just because they have an urge to do something doesn't mean that they're actually going to do it. So by doing that, that must build the trust up with you and them inside their brain as well that oh maybe this is OCD because I know I fluctuate from days going I think they the doctors got it wrong and I don't have OCD and they're just saying that to make me feel better I remember even when I went to my doctor and I said uh, you know what was happening because I was in a bad place at the time and I said can you show me what you wrote, wrote down? Because I, yeah. <laughs> I had a bad feeling that he wrote something that he didn't say. You know, it was like, yeah. and he said, yeah, that's your OCD, Paul. I said, yeah, yeah. I know, but in my brain, I'm going to go <laughs> home and thank you. You know, it's... Yeah. I know it's my OCD, but can I still see what you wrote down? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's quite nefarious because you're it like, is. it's... You feel like there's someone living with you that is you, but isn't you, if right. that makes any sense. Yeah, it's it's um it's the in law, right? Uh, in laws and fish are bad after three days, and and OCD <laughs> joins that as well too. You know, it, yeah. How do we? I I I use that metaphor sometimes. I say I say to patients, how do we uninvite OCD? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, unfortunately, OCD's been invited in, 
because we fed it. And how do we feed OCD? We do compulsions. OCD right. feeds on one thing, which is compulsions. So the more compulsions we do, the more we fed OCD and the more it sticks around. You know, if you, if you feed a stray cat after a while, it just, it wants to come in your house. Right. And, and it just kind of moves in and now it just wants you to feed it all the time. That's what OCD is like. So how do you get rid of OCD? You stop feeding OCD. And how do you stop feeding OCD? You stop doing compulsions yeah. and you have to sit with the, with the disgust or the anxiety or the discomfort or the shame or the guilt that is brought on by those obsessions and learn that just because that's there doesn't mean anything about you as a person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The kind of, I think is, is pure. Oh, I know that's a term that some people don't like using, but I, always I, stuff is I pure don't mental. really use it. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's all OCD. Isn't it? Anyways, you're just doing mental compulsions. You're doing anyways. mental compulsions instead of physical compulsions. And yeah. so my, my problem with the pure term really is more along the lines of then it just sounds like you just have obsessions. Right. When yeah. we say that. Yeah. So I, I look at it as you either have mental compulsions or you have physical compulsions, but it's all yeah. OCD. Yeah. I think, like you were saying earlier, the media has done OCD disjustice in a lot of ways because yes. it's always every movie you see, it's all like washing your hands. And mm -hmm. they, they never go, well, why is he washing his hands? They never, right. it's like, because he's got an intrusive thought. It's always like, yeah. oh, he just likes washing his hands. He likes washing his hands. Or yeah. coronavirus has brought this out too. Um, I wrote a blog. I have a little Psychology Today blog called Don't Try Harder, Try Different. And on there, I wrote a, a blog about, I was watching the news one night. And on the news, one of the newscasters said, well, maybe we should all just have a little OCD these days and then we could wash our hands more. And I was, you know, imagine, <laughs> imagine if we said to somebody who was very overweight and because, you know, they had a genetic condition or something like that. Why don't you develop a little bit of an eating disorder? <laughs> Yeah, right? I know. The, the up in arms that people would have about that rightly so yeah and yet we can joke about ocd which the world health organization considers to be one of the top 10 most disabling conditions in the world mm -hmm. but it's okay to make a joke about it or to yeah. have entire tv programs about about it right yeah yeah it's it's because it's a, it's a mental it's exhausting it's very it exhausting because sure. you know it's from the moment you wake up till the moment you go to bed and it, it's like that balance of trying to go, okay, this isn't what it is, but it's very difficult because it's some, you know, it's like someone constantly punching you. At some point, you're going to go stop. And once you do that, you're kind of engaging with it. So it's, it's very hard. Yeah. Um, nobody wants OCD, right? Mm. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't wish a little bit of OCD on anybody because you're right. Yeah. It is exhausting. Um, you know, I, I would contend that a day of physical activity versus a day of just being in my head all day long, the day of being in my head all day long is more exhausting than the day of physical activity. Oh, for sure. You, for you for are sure. just, you have internally gut punched yourself so many times <laughs> that it's just overwhelming because you're mad at your own self for the thoughts that you have, right? Yeah. And the one difference then between somebody with and without OCD is that the person without OCD says, well, that was weird and they let it go. And the person with OCD wants to find the meaning and the reason as to why, you know, I personally have absorbed pretty much every single intrusive thought of every patient I've ever had. I mean, I guarantee really? you, if you, if you and I were standing at the top of a staircase, I would think about pushing you down the stairs. Why? Because I've treated people who have intrusive <laughs> thoughts about what if I push people down to this day, I can't now be on a staircase without contemplating 
pushing everybody on the <laughs> stairs down the stairs. But to me, it's just a passing, oh yeah, I remember that one. And then I let it go. But if I had OCD, I would never want to be near a staircase, just in, in the off chance that I might one day follow through on that. And then that would mean that I'm a really bad person for having done that. Yeah. Do you, do you think it's quite difficult? Because I think a lot of people who have OCD have OCD about having OCD. Yeah. You know, and then it can be OCD about that. It can be OCD about treatment too. Now, if I want to get rid of my OCD, I have to do the treatment perfectly, right? So OCD will get in the way of everything. And then there's the other part of OCD. Now that I'm feeling better and those thoughts or images or urges don't make me anxious anymore, does that mean I'm a horrible person because now they don't bother me anymore? <laughs> right? <laughs> so you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, your OCD goes, hey, this isn't bothering you anymore. So it's actually yeah. is true. And you're like, oh, so God. So. It is true. Then you really are a horrible person <laughs> yeah. because now you're not bothered by that thought. But that was the whole goal of therapy was to not be bothered by that thought, right? So that's that's another hook. that uh, That's the last-ditch effort of, you know, OCD's falling off the cliff and it's just trying to grab at straws. And yeah. it's like, no, you're not afraid of that anymore. <laughs> no, you're going to do it. Bring me back to save you, you know? Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> OCD... It lies to you. It's like it's your best friend. It's like, hey, you know, Paul, the only reason you haven't actually done those things is because of me. Yeah. So yeah. if you get rid of me, yeah, then you're probably going to do those things. I'm and, the thing that's keeping you safe. And it's that kind of thing is like, oh, you're never going to do them, but you do. You want to do them secretly. So you yeah. are a bad person anyways. It'll always find this weird way of getting yeah. in. If it doesn't give you one thought, it'll give you one that bonds you. You're like, oh, God. Yes. Exactly. Which is, do you find it quite a hard uh, area to get into with people who have heterosexual OCD and homosexual OCD, you know, that line of they're not heter they're not homosexual and they're not heterosexual. If you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, they're that, they're the what if, you know, the, yeah. the somewhere in the middle kind of experience. You know, so now instead of calling it H O C D like we used to, it's mm. it, we refer to it as sexual orientation or orientation O C D because you know, at first it was just, it, it's only straight people who are afraid, what if I'm gay? But guess yeah. what? There's gay people who are afraid, what if, I, what if I'm straight, right? So yeah. we can't yeah. call it HOCD and, no. and be inclusive. So yeah. we have to look at it as whatever I identify as, what if I'm not is yeah. kind of where it's at. Or if I'm questioning what I am, then what does that say about me? Because I should have a definite answer. You know, OCD demands a 100% definite answer. But yeah. there's a problem because OCD's nickname is the doubting disorder. So OCD will never accept a 100% answer because it's the doubting disorder, but it demands a 100% answer because that's what it wants. So now you're in a quandary, right? How do you, how do you complete this, this loop, right? How can you give OCD a 100% answer when it will never accept it, even though that's what it demands? Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. Do, yeah. do you find it... Um, Difficult, some people who have, we say, a heterosexual or homosexual, or sorry, I said sexual orientation, OCD, mm -hmm. that I think people understand is they're not, if someone's straight, it's not like they're homophobic. It's, right. it's that it's their identity isn't who they are anymore. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it could also be related to relationships. You know, um, what would it mean if, as a married person with children, I suddenly realized that I'm not straight or I'm not gay. And, and that would mean I would leave my partner. I would lose my friends. I would lose my identity. It might affect my religious status, my political status, all, all of those things that come with, yeah. with the doubt of, 
if this thing were to be different than what I've identified it to be, look at all of the ramifications that it would have. Mm -hmm. And so then OCD goes, well, then maybe we should check to see if you really are that thing or not, just to be sure, right? <laughs> yeah. And do you get any pushback from, like, the LGBTQ community? Because I know that's quite hard because, you know, it, it's it could seem on, on the surface like someone's uh, homophobic, but it's not that at all. It's not that at all, right. And, and I have not seen pushback because my goal is not to change anyone's orientation. Yeah, my yeah. goal is to get people to be okay with the intrusive thoughts that they have and realize that just because yeah. they experience them doesn't mean anything true or real. Yeah. Uh, so I don't care personally <laughs> what your orientation is. If you want to be gay, be gay. If you want to be straight, be straight. If you want to be uh, queer, be queer. If you want to be transgender, be transgender. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. I'll help you with the intrusive thoughts that you have that may lead to doubts about those things. That's where I come in. I'm, I'm not, same thing with religious scrupulosity. I'm not here to change your religion or your yeah. belief system. I want you to be able to be in it in a way that it's not interfered with by OCD. And the same thing with your sexual orientation. I want you to be in it in a way that OCD isn't interfering with it. Do you find though people outside of that don't know about OCD, I don't think they understand a lot of things with OCD. It's quite oh, of, yeah. it's a, you know, there's a misnomer in it all, almost. Of course. Um, you know, why don't you just stop thinking that? <laughs> I've had that many times. <laughs> yeah. And I always say to people, oh, you know what? I missed that class. I'm sorry. Uh, when I was yeah. in graduate school, I missed the just stop thinking that class. So <laughs> I don't know how to do that one, but I, I do know how to do exposure and response prevention therapy, which is the gold standard of treatment for OCD. That I know how to do. But I, I, did, I did skip the day where they taught us to just tell people to stop thinking of it and then them stop thinking. Yeah. Uh, what must have been like for people who would that this form, like, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> more... Uh, extreme forms of OCD back in the 60s and 70s when you couldn't go to, to someone like that must have been hell they were institutionalized right That's they, sad, they spent it? months and months and months in a in an institution because they would have been seen as as really awful or horrible people for even having these thoughts yeah or go back earlier you know there's there's some there's some amazingly awful treatments that were done to people uh mental health used to be considered demonic possession and they would treffen people and you can find graveyards in Ireland and England and mm -hmm. abbeys where you know there's holes cut in the tops of people's head to let the demons out because the belief Jeez. was that uh, demons got lodged in up in your brain there and they couldn't pass through bone because bone was too dense so the only way to let the demon out was to cut a hole in the top of the skull and then the demon could escape because demons were in hell oh, and heaven God. was up above. And if you happen to be stepping over a spot where a demon had, had escaped hell, the demon could pass through your skin and go up through your body. But once it got into your, your skull, it got stuck there because demons can't pass through bones. So then it caused all sorts of problems. So the only thing that you could do was cut a hole in the top of your head or treffening yeah. and let the let the demon then out of the hole and then it could continue on to heaven and then you would be relieved of all of the problems the demon caused okay i'm sure that worked out well for them oh it was one yeah <laughs> i'm sure it's a wonderful you know uh, it it uh it did you know it did stop a lot of mental illness because it pretty much killed everybody who went through <laughs> the surgery you know so um yeah it's it was horrible you know it was horrible or is that what it's is that what it's called? Treffening. treffening someone's, yeah, I've never heard the, that word before. Yeah. 
putting that's the hole cool in the word. skull. <laughs> that's a good word. Do you um, find people have ever come into you with OCD that they might be living in a, another, like they might be in a computer simulation? Oh yeah, so existential odd. OCD. I've yeah. had that one too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I usually have them watch The Matrix a couple of times, you know, just that's that's our ERP, you know, or right. um, or The Man in the High Castle or something oh, like that. Oh, that's a great you know. show. Oh, that was, that was so good, wasn't it? Yeah, I really enjoyed amazing that. Amazing show. Yeah. Have you seen Dark? That's an amazing show too. Dark? Oh, it is Oh, I gotta brilliant. check it out. It's Never, a Netflix show. <laughs> write it down, Dark. It's on the old Netflix. Okay. <clears throat> it's cool. um, it is a mind trip of a show. Okay, it's, there's two seasons. That's it. They finished it. Two seasons. It's German, so there's subtitles. But it's okay. it's quite amazing. You know that that's the odd thing about me. I watched a show called Legion, and in the show, it's done by what the what's that what's that thing? Oh, I can't think of it. Oh, anyways, it's uh, it's. It's done by Noah Hawley, who, okay. who's who's a really good director and writer, and it's about a guy who's he's Charles Xavier's son from the X Men. I know we're going to slightly off topic here, <laughs> but no, that's he's right. he's um, schizophrenic, but he's also the most powerful mutant in the world. And oh. in it, he does really bad things. You know, he might he's raped his girlfriend, but he he's and killed people. But he's always like, I'm a really good person and I deserve love. And he's a really bad person. And after I watched that, I thought maybe I'm schizophrenic. Maybe I'm Mm -hmm. a bad person. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started getting intrusive thoughts, which was Mm -hmm. quite odd. So it only triggered it for me a few months ago. And I was like, the weird thing, these little things can trigger and you can be quite kind of. Yeah. Should I watch this show now? And should I, you know, it's, can OCD just get triggered on the most minutiae of things? Absolutely. In fact, um, have you heard of the podcast called Invisibilia? No. So it's the word invisible, but instead of an E at the end, it's an IA. Ah. Check out season one, episodes one and two. Because okay. the first episode talks about a person who was watching the movie, I think it was Brazil, with his wife. Oh, and it's so a pretty good. violent movie, right? Yeah. It's and halfway through the movie, he has an intrusive thought about what if he were to murder or stab his wife. Oh, wow. And it kind of follows him through treatment and what oh. he did and and how he got better but still has intrusive thoughts, but now knows how to live with them. So I would check out that. It's a fascin- It's from National Public Radio here in the States. Wow. Uh, so check out Invisibilia. It's a wonderful I show. Definitely will. Do, mm-hmm. so, so shows and stuff, because in my head, in my brain was going, yeah, shows can't trigger that. You know? I'm oh, like, sure they can. This, this Absolutely. <laughs> anything can trigger OCD. Yeah. Right? Absolutely anything can trigger OCD. It's such a weird. I, I think it's good though. Like, you're you, what you're doing. I, it helps so many people. You know, it's oh, it's a it's you. such a great thing. And like, thanks so much for you know what you're doing. It's very. Uh, I know it's a job, but you can tell that you're really, you know, into what you're doing. It's not like oh, I'm doing a job. You know, it's you can feel that you're being sincere. Sincere, and mm. I think that that helps people with OCD because you know. They don't want to get OCD about someone not being sincere. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Shut up, Paul. Let's move on. Yeah. 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 That wouldn't that wouldn't work out well in therapy, right? Yeah. No. No. Well, so and and it's been fun moving. Uh, you know, I started with no CD in January, and 
we're, our goal with NoCD is to go international and, and to have therapists all over the world eventually. Yeah. So we're hitting all 50 states this year here in the United States. But the app is available across the world. for It's free to download. I have it. Great. And you've seen there's really nice therapy tools on there that you can utilize for ERP. And yeah, and I appreciate you watching the the my feeds, my Wednesday night webinars that we do and everything. Yeah. So we really do want to be available to people all over the world. You know, Stephen Smith, who's our founder, had OCD. And it was a very rapid onset between his uh, uh, sophomore and junior year of college. And he saw five therapists who gave him horrible advice, right? They, you know, one said, put a rubber band on your wrist. And every time you have a bad thought, snap the rubber band. And God. another said, oh, you have intrusive thoughts about your family. So you should move away from your family. So he did. And, and it, it was just a very long period of time in his life where he was getting horribly bad advice and having to pay for that horribly bad advice as well too so so time wasted and money wasted and he when he finally found a therapist who treated ocd uh, but who was charging only out of pocket they didn't take insurance it was like 300 a session luckily a family friend helped him out and paid for it but he wanted to do something that was better for people with ocd so that's been our driving mission with no cd all through this whole experience is how do we get people the help they need the evidence-based care that's available and to do it affordably as well too yeah and i because when i went on i was like oh i'm definitely gonna buy this i was like oh it's not available anywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when do you think it's gonna be out over here or well, Europe, um, shall we say you know, the good thing about the UK and Ireland and Australia and New Zealand and various is I think we'll, we'll look at the English speaking based countries probably mm -hmm. first because the majority of our trainings have would be done in that. And then we do have a pretty uh, good Spanish uh, therapy contingent as well. So then we would probably look at Spanish speaking countries. So that's kind of my thought process at the moment. But um, once we've established ourselves and really grown our network here in the u.s to be covering everything uh, then then we move international so that's our goal at some point next year so yeah. i'm excited to start looking into that and and i'm gonna you know try to convince them that i need to go to ireland actually to implement no CD. yeah i think that's a good idea you know yeah. we can you hang just, out and, you yeah know. you're just pissed on the street <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, ring up, hey, OC, oh, no CD. Wait, what's no CD, yeah, what? man? What are you yeah, talking I don't about? Know what you're talking. <laughs> yeah. And I, I still have family. You know, I've got relatives in Clonmel, so I can oh, still wow. go and hang with them and everything. So that would oh, be Oh, that's fun. cool. Yeah. How mm -hmm. many times have you been to Ireland? Four. Oh, you're well-versed in Ireland, so. Yeah, yeah. Have you been to the west of Ireland? Yes, I've been... I've been okay. all over. I mean, really? I even the, on the last trip even went up to Northern Ireland for the first time. Oh, and, and, cool! Uh, that was it was very interesting to just see how how the ruggedness of Northern yeah. Ireland and some of yeah. the the landscape up there is so very different oh, yeah. than what you see across a lot of the rest of the country. Yeah, but. Anywhere from the Burren, you know, the cliffs. Uh, although I got to tell you, those walls they put up at the cliffs uh, just destroyed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Abs I, I, if people say now where to go in Ireland, I tell them don't even go to the cliffs because you <laughs> yeah. can't even see them anymore because they put up all those fences and everything. You <laughs> yeah. can't even, so I, the better is go to Dingle or um, oh, what's that town right next to the cliffs? Oh, why am I? There's a lot of Irish music there. It's really wonderful. And now I'm blanking on it. But you can go do away. a boat tour and you can go see the cliffs from the water. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool to see them, to look up yeah. and see them. 
Oh, there's some great places. They they did this cool thing in Ireland a few years ago called the Wild Atlantic Way. They implemented this this journey. So what you do is you travel from the top of I, think, I always get these confused. Either Malinhead, yeah, Malinhead to Mizzenhead. So it's Donegal down mm. to the end of Ireland. It's all mm. on the west, and it's all signposted. So you go into these little nooks. Me and my friend did it. We drove all the way up and yeah. all the way down. So you, you like hit Dingle and Carrie yeah, yeah, and yeah, everything yeah, along yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the ending is kind of in Kinsale, but it's oh yeah, amazing. oh Kinsale is beautiful. I love Kinsale. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. You just see all these places that you were like, I don't even know this existed, and I'm living here all my life. And yeah, it's right. Just beautiful. Yeah. It you is know? beautiful. And I love some of the different accents, even just on on an island that small. That you know, <laughs> like you go to Cork and they're like, Cork, you know. Yeah. I'm from <laughs> Cork, by how are you doing? Cork, <laughs> you know. Um, and yeah. my parents loved. They they were just there recently. They went to the Titanic Museum. They said it was oh, incredible. Cool. Uh, just to check that out. So I'm from Sligo, Yates. Oh, country. are you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Little little tiny place called Innisgrown. Okay. Right beside the, right beside the sea. So it's it's quite mm-hmm. small. You know, so I'm sure there's not too many OCD sufferers here because it's too small, but (laughs) there's probably a few around. So don't open a clinic there, you're saying. (laughs) That was my advice to you. You know, if you're thinking about branching into the scroll, maybe think twice on that. Think toward Dublin or or maybe (laughs) Cork, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So do you get get much time to, to... do all this stuff that you like doing apart from because you seem really busy you know you got your clinic and you got your patients yeah well this last year has been busy I mean there's well and with corona I mean almost great timing because corona prevented a lot of travel or being able to do a Mm -hmm. lot of those things anyway so I've been hunkered down uh, with all of that so this this was fine to be as busy as I was this year because uh, it's not like I was going to be going anywhere anyway (laughs) there was not going to be much traveling going I do miss the conferences you know every year I would usually go to three conferences and present and do talks and yeah. now they've all been virtual so I still get to do the talks and the presentations and the conferences but you just don't have that social kind of you know, three yeah. times a year you'd see all your buddies in the in the anxiety field and this year we none of us really got to see each other so that was that was sad to, to yeah. miss out on that but it'll make it all better when you see each other again yeah is that a Rush Bobble? Yes, guys? those are my Rush Bobble heads oh, right there. Brilliant! I love the Rush. greatest band ever in the history oh, of the world. Amazing! So, mm-hmm. I come when Neil Burt Pert died. I was so uh, sad. I was like, "Come on, man!" That was. I've seen Rush thirty times uh, in concert. What? I um, I was man, at I like the it. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for the blah 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 speech. Uh, I saw that live. <laughs> um, that was funny. That was amazing. Yeah. Uh, wow, yeah. man. You're you're even cooler than I thought now. <laughs> Come on, yeah, so that's the uh, and then uh, this bobblehead. Uh, that's that's me. That's a bobblehead of me right there. Uh, so that's me watching Rush play in concert. I, I'm standing. I'm backstage and uh, get to brilliant. get to be backstage with uh, with Rush there. But that's cool. Yeah. You've seen them thirty times. Oh 30. man, I'm yeah. so jealous. They played yeah. Ireland a few years ago, and I was like. Oh, I I was sick or something, and I said, oh, "I'll get them the next time." And then they stopped playing. I was like, "Oh my god, I never you missed seen it, Rush." Man. You, you know, I'm it. too young to see. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something Great. on on the. Uh, I'm on all the you know Rush lift serves and everything, and and somebody posted something about you know how be thankful that you lived in the moment in history where you got to see these guys live. Oh man. So and never will that happen again, right? So <sighs> that's 
cool, man. And like, they they had such a great dynamic between the three of them. They all played just perfectly. I'd say, obviously, Neil was probably the most virtuoso of the lot of them. But the other boys, Getty and Alex, still they were great. They're great players. Yeah. Well, the thing that I loved about Alex is, you know, you you look at many bands and at the top of their chart if you have their music in front of you you'll see three chords right and then yeah. you open a rush and and alex has 28 chords you know listed. <laughs> yeah. it's like ah oh, crap that's a lot of chords <laughs> to play in this song. and then the time signatures you know there's got to be a, a bar of seven eight somewhere in in one of their songs everywhere and then to watch getty sing play the bass with one hand the bass pedals with one yeah. foot the hand on the keyboard all at the same time i just i don't have yeah. you have you read um, uh, Neil's books? Mm-hmm. Are they good? Yeah, I heard they're they pretty are. good. Yeah, yeah, I must good. get it. That was sad. What happened him with his wife and his kid dying? That was, just, just, yeah, that was just crazy. But what a beast of a band! Like they're just, they're amazing. What What was the first time you said? What was the first time you saw them? What year? Uh, that would have been uh, nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety when Presto Whoa. came out. Wow. Um, yeah, so Presto was my first my first show. Wow! I wish that I had seen. I had known of Rush prior to that uh, because I was in high school band, and all the drummers were Rush fans. And they'd be listening to this. I'm like, what? What are you listening to? What is this? And they <laughs> one guy gave me a couple of tapes, and I got hooked. Man, it was just like, okay, yeah, I am, I am into this. And yeah, uh, yeah. I always hated the way the critics were so snooshy towards Rush. You know, they really like, were. They yeah. were like, and you're like, dude, they're amazing, proficient musicians, great songs. Like, find me a band, three piece band that plays that well. Maybe Cream as well, but mm-hmm. they're all play unbelievably well for three piece. You know, just lock in with each other perfectly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you know, it was great to be there at the Hall of Fame that night to watch the induction, especially because you know when they just when the guy announced from toronto and the crowd went nuts right they didn't even say rush and for about a minute and a half the crowd until getty and alex neil actually stood up from their table and and like did a wave and said okay (laughs) sit sit down everybody work you know thank you but that night was amazing um heart got inducted that night public enemy got inducted that night uh randy newman Savage. Carol King came out and played a Randy Newman's. There was so many. Just Usher was there to do Quincy Jones induction. Wow. Um, the amount Tom Morello came out and played. John Mayer came out and played. The jam at the end was amazing. Chris Cornell inducted uh, Hart, so wow. he was there that night. Uh, it it was it was incredible, and yeah, and just man. what a great memory to have with a couple of buddies of mine to to have been That's out there and seen that so cool that experience. So did you did you ever see Hart doing the Led Zeppelin tribute? Oh, is that the Kennedy Center Honors oh, one where they've got the choir and everything? Oh yeah, that man. is that's incredible. I mean, I welled up listening to it. I got oh, yeah. I was like, Jesus, oh, yeah. and amazing. Anne has the greatest voice, I think, amazing of any female singer. I've, I I just I. I am a massive Ann Wilson fan. And yeah. she's very underrated. You know, like, you know, we hear singers, she never gets her props as like being this amazing singer. Like, Oh, she's, her range and her, her vibrato and tone is just, just 
unparalleled. Yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Jeez, we could have done a music podcast. I'd, screw, I'd come back and do an entire CD, music hey. podcast with you. I could. I'm going to hold you to that. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> you want to? We could talk about Yes and and deconstruct some Yes albums if you want. Uh, another man. great band. Do you like King Crimson? King Crimson. Seen them live. That was a great show. They were in St. Louis. I got to see them. Actually, uh, a guy called David Bottrell, I had him on the podcast a few weeks ago. And yes, he, I watched that one, actually. Oh, did so, you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, mm-hmm. we're kind of, I wanted to get way more deep into it, but he didn't have too much time, so you're like, what right. can you do? But, yeah. man, he's done some amazing stuff. Like, serious stuff. He did Rush as well. He did um, yeah. He did uh, their live stuff. and Yeah, crazy. He was supposed you to do Vapor Trails, but, but that fell through. Oh, that would have been good because the recording on Vapor Trails was horrible. It was yeah, he's the he's the guy awful. who remixed it. Yeah, remi- yeah. So it's it's much it, better on the remix. But oh yeah, boy, whoever the original, whoever oh. mastered that was must have been stoned or something. I don't know. It's it's just horrible. Yeah, still can't beat that horrendous Metallica Saint Anger um, uh, master. That was oh, is terrible. that the, is that even worse? Yeah. Oh, and the word actually, Death Magnetic is even worse than that. That I mean, it oh. is atrocious it's like oh. a brick wall <laughs> it's, like <terrible. laughs> it's just yeah. shockingly bad you know but hey. you know uh i and and it's fun to talk music and ocd um yeah you know who's <laughs> if if you want to watch someone and i see your guitar in the background one of the best live guitar players i've seen was uh, lisa loeb in concert oh, and right. it was just her and one other guitar player acoustic and the two of them playing acoustic she finger picks a guitar better than anybody i've else i've seen live really oh my gosh just watch her play just some of the when she's not with the band i mean she's great with the band but to watch her individually play yeah is mesmerizing i gotta check that out man it's wonderful absolutely wonderful yeah, man, I have OCD with music because I write music. So it, it, I, it's, I've, like, I've listened to a snare sometimes for about an hour. It's, mm-hmm. it's, but that kind of OCD is actually quite, it can be quite helpful. You know, it's not like, I think sometimes if you get with OCD that you can go, that it can benefit you in some way. I know that's quite weird, but that, you know. No, I, you're not the first person with OCD to say that to me where, okay. you know, they've, they've attempted to make uh, some lemonade out of the lemon, right? Um, mm-hmm. And have found maybe a spot where they can utilize it to the best of their ability instead of to the worst. Yeah. Does, does CBT do more harm than, than it should? Because I write somewhere where someone said that CBD can actually be detrimental to OCD because you're trying to look in yourself for answers and instead of looking at that it's just OCD yeah you know it depends I mean CBT's kind of ki- or cognitive behavioral therapy is many therapists say they do cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT but what many pa- therapists do is cognitive behavioral therapy <laughs> and when you're really working with OCD you want that behavioral piece there because if you get mired in the cognitive then you're just yeah. talking to someone and guess what guess what OCD would love to do all day long Talk about OCD. <laughs> yeah. OCD, I mean, that's OCD's jam right there. Oh, wait, you want to talk to me for the next seven hours about why this might be dangerous? I, I'm all in. Let's go, <laughs> right? Let's do that because that yeah. sounds amazing. And, yeah. and that's not what we want with OCD. We want, oh, you had that thought? Okay, we're going we're gonna to work on letting that go and, 
not paying much attention to it and does being it okay with it. Does it come from like your ego or insecurities? Is is that where ego, OCD comes from? Because it's very well. Like, you get you get an ego phrase. You hear ego syntonic or ego dystonic, and basically what that means is ego dystonic means I don't like the thoughts that I'm having and I don't mm -hmm. want them, and ego syntonic means I welcome them and and I do kind of enjoy them. Ah, but right. in terms of id ego super ego Freudian stuff, we don't we don't use that in psychology. There's, any, well, yeah. there's there's a couple of people who still report to that but i i would not go near them for ocd so uh yeah because it's it's i think like you're saying once you get caught in that cognitive stuff of trying to figure it out oh well i've this thought because of this thing relates back to some sort of weird thing yeah. in childhood it can get you deeper down the hole i'd say well and then if you find that weird thing in childhood now you're gonna be bad now why did i let that happen yeah why didn't i do something else when i was 12 years old and now you've got hours of beating yourself up over, had I not let that happen, then I would have never had this experience, right? Yeah. I would have never then had OCD. So I'll do two things. I'll beat myself up over being 12 and being stupid because I let that happen. <laughs> and then I'll also beat myself up over making sure that I never let it happen again and constantly be on the lookout for it to make sure it yeah. doesn't ever happen again. And is it genetic or is it something both in childhood? It appears to be there's some genes that are involved. So right. uh, if it's 1% to 2% of the population, but there's a higher uh, preponderance of it, shall we say, in families of someone who already has OCD, then yeah. we know that. And, and with identical twins, it's like a 70% oh, really? accordance between identical twins. So it's not 100% genetic, but it's also not 100% uh -huh. environment. And do more men get it than women, or is it just even out? It seems to even out by the time that you hit um, young adulthood, but it seems to start earlier in boys than, than in girls, actually. Really? Why mm -hmm. do you think that is? Don't know. Uh, it's, we, don't, we don't know. Is there a lot you still... The, isn't known about OCD, or is everything kind of known, or is there just stuff that... Oh, there's always more to learn, right? You know, uh, brain circuitry and and... Are there other kinds of therapies or medications that are going to come out? They're doing a lot of gene looking at now to see, you know, are there specific gene markers for OCD? Right. There's a ton of information to still know. Oh. But to this date, the best thing to do is exposure and response prevention therapy or exposure and response prevention therapy plus medication. Yeah. But medication alone is not recommended or, or any other things. ERP is the standard of treatment for OCD. Yeah, because I think medication kind of, not that it numbs you a bit, but you know, it's not really a solution. It's just a hanging right. you over almost, isn't it? And the problem a lot of times is when you stop meds, you go back to the way that you were before the medication. So um, yeah. even the American Psychiatric Association does not recommend medication alone for OCD. And that's what they do is psychiatrists prescribe medication. And they even say medication alone is not the, the first course treatment for OCD. Okay. Well, thank you so much for this talk. I've so enjoyed it, man. It's, it's, I should say doctor, sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm whatever, Fred, Jim, whatever. I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> um, thanks so much for taking time. I really appreciate it. And you're doing great work. And it's it's great to have someone like you and uh, the people at OCD and online and giving 
information to people because it really does help people you know it definitely helped me so thank you very awesome. much for that and thanks so much for coming on the podcast and come back and we'll talk about Rush yeah, yeah, just send me an email and uh, we'll do an hour of Rush and and right. uh, other great music I even see pet sounds in the back there oh yeah man uh, good stuff <laughs> have you uh, have you listened to um, Wishing You Were Here by Chicago no no so there's a um, there was a the story kind of goes that they were recording in Denver. The Beach Boys were actually in Denver recording. They kind of met each other at the airport, ran into each other, and Chicago invited the Beach Boys over while they were doing some recording, and they ended up doing a song together called "Wishing oh. You Were Here." Oh, I'm gonna check that out because they toured together in the seventies. Yeah, well, and I even saw them in the nineties. They toured together again. <laughs> yeah, I saw wow. them live in Chicago because I'm from I'm from Chicago actually. Okay. Um, but one more quick thing before we go. Cool. There is now a band from Russia that is covering Chicago songs. And if you want to hear some of the most amazing live stuff, check this band. They're on YouTube. Okay. Uh, and it's called Leonid and Friends. And they do covers of Chicago. And they've even got some Earth, Wind, and Fire covers. Brilliant. These guys are phenomenal great none of them speak english but they hit it note for note every single song they hit note for note on on chicago so check out lean into friends they're amazing oh defo <laughs> well thank you for so much for this i really 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 appreciate it and absolutely great to have talk a to great Paul. day and too bad it wasn't 2112 next year we could have done that rush I, that it, been... I i'm sad that i won't live to 2112 because i would love to live that long just to play it on that yeah. on january 1st of 2112 that would be yeah wonderful. it's 2021 so we could kind of you know put yeah. the numbers we can skew it some yeah. way you know 100 years see. from now the pre-100th anniversary of 2112 <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well thanks again have All a right. have a great day and uh, i'll be in touch we'll definitely do that i'm definitely looking forward to doing that so thank awesome. you very much and i'll put all this up all the links everything and all that jazz so excited cheers Talk to you soon. thank you very much bye-bye